Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 36, A Career Story with Sarah Bunker. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get started, I wanted to thank all of you that have taken the time to go into iTunes and leave a review or a five-star rating for Educators to Educators. As you know, I've been giving review shout-outs here on the podcast, and I got one last week that really did make me smile. From Poppy Top, she or he says, just what I needed. Carrie has a fresh yet experienced perspective on all things education. I turn this on when I'm in need of some inspiration or perspective. So it's basically always a good time to hear what Carrie and her special guests have to say. So Poppy Top, I love that name. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to write that review. It helps others find the podcast. And as you know, it gives me a lot of energy. One more thing before we start talking to Sarah today. I recently started an in-person professional development called How Are You Feeling? Teacher Mood and the Impact on the Classroom. I've been doing this professional development in Chicago public schools, and it's been a real hit. And teachers just like that we're taking time to think about their mental health and their just attitude about teaching and giving them a new, fresh perspective to rethink their feelings and mood at school and in the classroom. So I just wanted to let you all know, this has been so much fun. I've been loving to be out in classrooms and schools meeting all of you. If you're interested in bringing this professional development to your school, I do take this show on the road outside of Chicago. So if you're interested in that professional development for your school, it's so much fun. Just go over to educatorstoeducators.com slash teacher mood. Okay. So I've talked about this before on the podcast. Being an entrepreneur is so amazing and I am truly living my dream career. There are so many perks that I absolutely love, like scheduling freedom, creative freedom, getting to spend time with my kids. There's so many things that I love about being an entrepreneur, especially watching educators to educators just grow and grow. But being an entrepreneur can be really hard. It can be isolating at times. And every once in a while, get a little self-doubt, like, am I helping anyone? Does anyone really care about educators to educators? Is this worth all of this time and work and effort. Recently, I was listening to one of uh, my favorite podcasts that's a huge podcast. And the host was saying that when you're first starting out, when she was first starting out, that she had people come to her podcast organically. And that those people just find you organically and they become your early cheerleaders. They fill your tank with energy and messages of support. This podcaster said, make sure you cherish those people because they will be part of your journey from the beginning down the entire path of your journey of your company as you grow bigger and bigger. So I have about 10 of those early cheerleaders in my crew, people that I think about that I don't talk to that often, but I know are always behind the scenes supporting me or sending me messages of support. Um, And I have those people in my mind that are gonna stick with me as educators to educators just grows and grows. Sarah Bunker is one of those people. 
Sarah and I connected about a year ago and she was saying that she really got a lot out of the podcast. So I said, Hey, jump on the phone with me. I want to talk to you. And I instantly hit it off with Sarah. We have so much in common and she is so wicked smart. So I said, we've got to get you on the podcast to talk about your story because it's so, so interesting. So Sarah, welcome to Intui and thanks for being one of my early cheerleaders. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed listening to it and it's been an amazing um, resource for me as I've thought about being a teacher and becoming the best teacher that I can be. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a joy to finally get you on here. I know we've been trying to do it for a while. How did you find Educators to Educators, Sarah? So I um, was working in the corporate world a year ago, and um, my background's in education, and I've always flirted with the idea of going into education full-time and never pulled the trigger. And one of the reasons was because it was kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. And so I decided that I was going to barrel towards my goal, and part of that was just consuming as much as I could about teaching because I had been out of it for so long. So I started listening to podcasts, and kind of one led to the other, and I started listening to the Simply Teach podcast, and you were featured on there, and I enjoyed listening to it, so I was like, well, there's another podcast to listen to, so the rest is history. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I think I wish that more teachers knew about how many great podcasts there are out there. Kelly Jackson's a great one, Simply Organized Teacher Uh, for teachers at all levels, but I always recommend new teachers go over there and listen to what she has to say. She has really good practical tips and tricks. So if you've never listened to Kelly's podcast, check that out. I love to support my fellow podcasters. Um, So Sarah, let's talk a little bit before we go into today's theme is really about transitioning from the corporate world to the classroom. Um, We've been doing some interviews that have been flipped on that, people who left the classroom to go in the corporate world. So today we're going to talk about going from the corporate world to the classroom. And we're going to focus on how your past shapes your future, not selling yourself short, and always about being courageous, which I love that third focus that we're going to talk about. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about your career story, where you've been and where you're going. So I grew up wanting to be a teacher. I had a second grade teacher who just was that one teacher that we all have who sparks that interest in us. And I would go into her room before school and she would let me do things, you know, like, I don't know, organize papers and test markers or whatever. And I just loved like the classroom, everything about it, everything that I saw. And I love the idea of being with kids all day. And so that drove me to um, get my degree in elementary education. There were a few times, to be honest, I really did want to quit school. And the only reason that I didn't was because I couldn't be a teacher if I didn't graduate. And so I graduated, thank goodness, um, got my license and then really had no idea how to get a job. I don't know if it was a self-confidence problem for me or if it was just literal lack of knowledge. Um, and so through a varying series of events, I ended up, uh, working in corporate America for almost 12 years. And I, um, getting a teaching job became this mountain that I was kind of shying away from, I think because there was, you know, that subconscious lack of confidence that I had that um, I just felt like it was too big of a mountain for me to climb for whatever reason, um, which doesn't make any sense, you know, because it's a completely attainable goal. 
Um, but it's just something that I mentally really had to do a lot of self-reflection on. So I, um, about a year ago, decided it was time to pull the trigger and I am learning about myself at the ripe old age of 37. I'm much more successful at my goals when I just barrel towards them and decide I'm going to reach that goal. And then everything that I do is to get myself towards that goal. So that's kind of been the story of my last year anyway. I love that. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about goal setting. And I think there's an interesting balance of goal setting of like dreaming and having big dreams, but also in your words, barreling towards something like you have to execute and take the steps towards it. Um, So I love that this is the right time in your life to be taking those steps. So what have you been doing over the last year um, to get yourself ready to get that full-time teaching position in the fall? Well, um, I decided I didn't want to quit my corporate job until the beginning of a school year. Um, And I'm blessed with support from family, my husband, and he's been amazing and supportive, you know, as far as personal life goes. Um, But I just have obviously been out of it for 12 years. And so I just have to figure out what's going on now. You know, when I first um, graduated from college, there were no, there were a couple computers in the classroom, but now it's one-to-one devices in a lot of districts and, um, you know, just resources. Everything is called something different now, you know, modifying a lesson is now differentiating a lesson. And I just had to get up to date on terminology and, you know, all those teaching acronyms that we all love. And, um, so I just started consuming podcasts and looking for books that teachers were loving to read and, um, And then I've, you know, watched um, like blogs or vlogs, I should say, like pocket full of primary and things, just things that would keep me excited about um, just teaching. And then in August, I was able to quit my job and I did interview for a few jobs last year and um, did not get a position, but that's okay. Um, I was offered a long-term placement at the beginning of the school year, and that principal has been a huge blessing in my career and has really taken me under his wing. And um, throughout the year, he's really been kind of advocating for me, which I I just desperately needed a principal who was willing to do that for me, and it's not something I've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to your principal. I mean... they're busy, busy people. And I love that he saw that in you and took you under his wing. Um, So you've been doing long-term sub positions, which I'm sure is a great experience for you to see different classrooms and how different things work. Yes. Awesome. So let's talk about transitioning from the corporate world to the classroom. So the first thing we're going to focus on is your past shapes your future. So what do you mean by that? I just, um, at first when I was making this decision to really go for this, I was discounting the last 12 years of my life. And I thought, well, none of that is going to help me be a better teacher. None of that's relevant. And to be honest with you, I encountered a few principals who I could tell, you know, really believed that. But then I started getting involved in this district that I've been in and their focus is really on preparing children for their future because we're living in an age where technology is really sweeping through the job force and 
in order to really be successful, you have to be willing to think outside the box and really be successful in collaborating. And it's not just about what you know anymore. It's about what you're willing to do to kind of, you know, leverage your own knowledge and be successful. And so it took me a while to really see how my corporate past could make me a better teacher. And, and it's something that I realized I was really selling myself short on over the last 12 years. And I think that's a big reason I never did take the leap until now is because I thought, well, no one's going to value that knowledge, but nobody's going to value it unless you, you're your own cheerleader and you really say, Hey, I have success in collaborating and, and working on projects and all of these things. And you really say, this is how I'm going to be a better teacher. It's, it's up to you to, you know, sell that story, but it's one that it took me a while to really find value in, in my own career. Yeah, you're totally right about advocating for yourselves. And especially if you're talking to a principal that's only ever been in education, right? Yes, 100%. Or yeah, they don't, they've never lived in the corporate world and they don't know all of your skill sets that transfer over. I mean, even just email etiquette or yeah. organization or project management. I mean, those are huge skills that transfer into the classroom. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So what, when you're thinking about your past shapes your future, so your first tip is kind of like, if you have been in corporate America and now you're going into the classroom, really think about what skills transfer um, and not discounting that experience and actually using, like, don't be ashamed of that. Be proud of that and be like, this is why, you know, I have so much energy going into teaching. Like, I'm ready for this. And I've been thinking about this for years and I'm so ready to bring my energy to this school and be a collaborator. I love that. Right. Yeah. Um, you shared with me a quote that you absolutely love and I really love it. So uh, it's a Steve Jobs quote and you said, you know, it fits this concept perfectly. Do you want to share that quote with us? Sure. So he gave a commencement speech at Stanford University back in June, 2005. And Something about Steve Jobs is just always infatuated with me. And so when he was getting really sick and passed away, that was kind of one of those moments where I realized like he had made a career out of failing and out of doing things that he's passionate about. And so that um, the, the commencement speech is viewable on YouTube, but the quote that really um, resonates with me is, um, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart, even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. And it's something that I've just really thought a lot about how even this, this school year right now, I don't know exactly how these dots are going to connect into my future, but I know that when I land that job officially, like it will all it'll all make sense to me and, and having faith in that and really being cognizant of that makes those hard days easier. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think about this a lot. If, if we all knew our path, like this is what's going to happen in your thirties. This is what's going to happen in your forties, fifties, sixties. Like how boring is that? Like that is such a boring, boring life. And I always think about that if life were easy and we didn't have tough mornings and we didn't have great mornings, like how boring would that life be? Like we all want things to be easy, 
maybe we think we want it, but we that's not what we really want, right? We don't yeah. want everything good for us. I think, and I think that's the difference between my early 20s and now is in my early 20s, like I said that I didn't know how to get a job because nobody came with the silver platter and said, here's a teaching job. I had to work for it and I just didn't know how to. And I think that I was probably feeling a little bit um, entitled and felt like, well, I'm a good teacher, so give me a job. And it just doesn't work that way. And, And that's something that I you know, have learned over the last 12 years is that I really need to work hard, but I also need to be unapologetic about who I am as a person and what I can bring to the table. And if that's not appreciated, then that's just not the right fit for me. And that's okay. Yeah. The fit goes both ways. And I tell people this all the time. It's like when you're interviewing, yes, you want that job, but like you're interviewing both ways. You're seeing if it's a good fit both ways. Right. Um, so you go in with that confidence now, not cockiness, but confidence, right? It makes a world of difference. Yeah. Um, I recently interviewed, I'm hiring a few interns right now. And so I was recently interviewing someone who's a senior in college and we did a video interview. So I've been doing a couple, I had done a couple of them and, and I, I talk a lot about this in classroom to boardroom, but how you're, how to interview and how to make a good first impression. And like people would show up to these video interviews, basically looking like they didn't even brush their hair uh, (laughs) or like put on something a little dressy. And then um, people would come and not, I specifically said like, we are doing a camera interview. Um, And because I think those are more warm and I like those and like they would show up and I'd be on camera and they weren't right. And so within 10 seconds, I was like, I'm not hiring this person. Um, But the person, the one woman that I did end up hiring, like she was early. She emailed me early to tell me that she was ready to go. She's in the hangout. She dressed up like she looked like she had her hair done. She had on like a blazer. She was sitting proudly and confidently when I got on there and I'm going on a little tangent here, but I mean, I knew within 10 seconds that I was going to hire her. And it's not because of her, like she was attractive or not attractive or this or that. It's because she was prepared. She took the interview seriously. She came confidently and she was ready. And like, she was ready to tell me why she was a good fit for this job. Like it came across so fast. Um, and so I think for you, like what you're saying about, like, don't, don't, um, discount your experience and don't discount, like, the way you show up, like show up proud of what you have to share. Right. I couldn't agree with that more. And I interviewed for a lot of jobs in my corporate life. And again, with the dots, I was like, I wouldn't get the job and I would get frustrated. And I'm one of those eternal romantics who thinks that any opportunity that comes my way is going to be the opportunity. And, and sometimes that's not super healthy, but sometimes you just have to believe. And then when it doesn't happen, then you deal with it. But I learned so much going through those interviews and they have made me, I mean, I literally almost interviewed my way into a teaching job, having been out of the working world for, or I'm sorry, the teaching world for 12 years. And, and that I find success, even just in that, even though I didn't get the job, but it has led me to where I am now. 100%. I think about when I was leaving teaching and I interviewed at VTech, which is like a toy company. And I have to tell you, this is the only job I've ever interviewed for in my whole life that I didn't get. Like even when I was 15, like 
I, I can interview. Okay. Is my point. But like, so I, I've told the story how I got to like the top two candidates for this job and the COO walked in and was like, how did you make it here? Because I'm like, you're just a teacher. Like you've no experience. How did you make it to the final two? He's like, I want to come talk to you. But like, I look back. So that job would have been in an office building in a like big office park. It was like, it would have been me managing a team of engineers halfway around the world. And it, like, it had nothing to, it was like toy, like creating toys and games. And I think about that, like, had I got that job, I would not be sitting here today. No way. Right. Like I would have probably been working that job still probably pretty miserable because it wouldn't have been exciting for me. But to your point, like sometimes when you don't get the job, either the person interviewing you knows it's not a right fit or there's something bigger out there for you. I really believe that. I do too. And I think that like, if you can't sit back and be metacognitive and think like, well, if I didn't get the job, there's nothing for me to learn from this experience. Then you're only selling yourself short because there's always something that you can do. Like I had an interview before, um, the interview where I almost got the job and I bombed it. And I mean, I'm talking, running full throttle face plant. It was terrible. And and I knew it. I knew it going in. I knew it leaving. I also knew that my heart just wasn't in the job. And that's not necessarily why I bombed, but I was so much more successful in my second interview because I had face planted so hard. And I left that second interview, like nailed it. Like I knew and felt confident in that principle He's a little older. He's retiring after this year. So he was willing to be, I think, more candid with me about, you know, giving me feedback right then and there, which is something that has been a struggle for me transitioning into education. Like in the corporate world, feedback is a gift and every day is Christmas, as my husband always jokes. And um, they're so willing to give you feedback. But in my experience thus far in teaching, like I've asked for feedback on why I didn't get a job. And I just haven't really gotten anything. And I don't know if it's just because like, it just isn't the right fit and they know it or, you know, or if they're like, well, we chose this person because they've been here before and you haven't, you know, it might just be that simplistic. So I guess it's better. Yeah. It's better than getting, you know, some BS feedback, um, which yeah. a lot of the times in the corporate world is what I felt like I was getting, to be honest with you. Like I was like, well, tell me really <laughs> why I didn't get the job. You know what I mean? So I can learn yeah. from it, but yeah, that it's interesting too. And I have an episode in the docket that's going to be coming out about the reasons you didn't get the job. So I'm going to talk about from different perspectives of why you may not have gotten that job that you wanted. So stay tuned in future episodes for that. Um, so let's move on to talking about, you know, we've talked about this a little bit about like not selling yourself short. Yes. So I thought this was interesting. You're talking about, um, Knowing when it's time to move on. Yes. So talk to me about that. So having spent 12 years at one company, I am a little bit devoted maybe to a fault. Um, I'm not really into job hopping, um, mostly because I think it's a sense of security for me. But um, there were many times where I could just feel the stars aligning or God nudging, whatever you believe in. For me, it was the stars aligning and God nudging me to move into teaching because things were just not falling into place the way that I felt they should be um, in my career. And, And I just kept 
staying. And I don't know if it's because of my daughter. I have a 19 month old. And when she was born, I just, um, especially with all the girl power things going on these days, I just, am like, you can be anything that you want to be. And I would say that to her and be like, well, how can I tell her that she can be anything she wants to be when I've, you know, settled really for the job that I had. And when it would be pointed out to me that I settled either by myself or by something I'd see online or whatever, I would get mad because Mm. I think I was subconsciously like, you know, I knew it was true, but I just didn't want to admit that I had been settling for the last 12 years of my life. And, um, having a kid, I think makes how you, how you spend your time so much more obvious in your mind. And so I started to really think like, I'm not the stay at home mom type. I never will be. Um, I love to work and work is super fulfilling for me. Not that my child isn't, but I really started to value how I spend my time in a different way. And, um, I wanted to take ownership with how I spent my time and knowing that it was time to move on. My company was just doing some things that I just really started to fundamentally not really buy into. And, um, one book that I've really enjoyed in my career, which I think can be relevant in the teaching world as well is the reality based rules of the workplace by Cy Wakeman. And she says, buy-in is not an option. Like if your company makes a decision, you don't get the choice of whether you're going to buy into it or not. You have to figure Mm. out how you're going to support that decision or that mission. And I think that that's true in education as well. And, you know, I told my boss even then, I said, buy-in is not an option and I'm aware of that. So it's either I figure out how to buy into this or I say, you know what, I really do want to teach and I take the leap. And that's really how I decided it was time, kind of a few different factors, I suppose. Okay, I'm buying this book. I just pulled it up on Amazon while you're talking. I'm buying it because it sounds amazing and I haven't read it. Yeah, I love Cy Wigman. She's awesome. I had um, the privilege of hearing her speak. My company had hired her to come speak with us, and it was amazing. I loved it. Um, I like what you're saying, though, and this is so true about schools. Like, so the blessing I had is I was a teacher and then I worked in professional development. Then I worked with superintendents and principals of school districts. And I got to see how their decision-making process happens. Right. And sometimes it's the school board telling the superintendent what to do. And then he has to tell the principals what to do. Right. And a lot of times we're like mad at our principals or whatever, because of change. But as teachers, change is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, we're going to do something for a few years and then someone's going to rename it, as you said, or totally flip it on its head and you have to get bought in. Like, I think too, we're all smart individuals and there are times when you definitely should speak your mind, right? But for our schools to function well, we've got to get bought into new initiatives. Like we have to. And I can think back in my last school I was in, there was a couple people that bought everything, everything. And sometimes I would just be like, stop fighting it. It's actually the exact same thing we were just doing with a different name and a few tweaks. Like just get on board and check the box and keep being the great teacher who you are. Okay. I'm going on a total tangent, but I'm reading this book because it sounds amazing. No, I, I am 100% on board with your tangent because it's something that drove me crazy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What? <laughs> I said, thank you. That makes me feel yeah. good that you're on board. With well, it's frustrating, <laughs> you know, in the corporate world and in the teaching world where it's like, 
is it really a big deal? Like, are you making a mountain out of a molehill here? Like, I, I just think, like, if the district chooses X, Y, and Z, you know, it, you have to buy into it or figure out how to make it work for yourself. And at the end of the day, it's still about you and 25 kids or 23 yeah. or 32, however many you have. And if you can't, if you don't have that why foundation of why you're in teaching, then you can get lost in the weeds of, you know, not wanting to do certain things or initiatives. And, and to me, like, if you have, I mean, this is a non-experienced teacher talking, but if you keep that perspective of, well, I'm really here because of these kids and it's my job to make this work for these kids, then, then it's fine. It's not such a big deal. We used to do this program at my first couple of years of teaching called Success for All, and it's a completely scripted reading program. Talk about a buzzkill for a teacher, yeah. especially a new teacher. <laughs> and anyway, we we were mandated to do it. And so I would do it like quickly and efficiently. And then I would add my own. I did guided reading like behind closed doors. And the first time my test scores came back, they were, my principal was like, what are you doing in that classroom? Like your test scores. And I'm like, well... You may fire me for this, but I do success for all for like a half an hour and the rest of the reading block, I do guided reading. (laughs) And he was like, okay, I'm going to let you keep doing this. Make sure your door is closed and don't tell anyone about it. (laughs) But um, there are certain things, like I still needed to do the success for all. Like I still needed to cover the important things there. But um, so I guess like you do have to get on board. You need to do the requirements, but then use your creativity outside of it. Yes. And there's so much more opportunity to do that in the teaching world than there is in the corporate world. Like, and and that's the direction my company was going in. Everything was becoming black and white. And we did this um, meeting. I'll never forget about it. They were using the lean process, which is a whole thing. I'm not going to go into it, but. Yes. We had a <laughs> meeting where they wanted us to draw a pig and like the directions, we did it like four times and the directions gradually got more and more detailed on how to draw it. And I will never forget being in that meeting and being like, the whole point of this is, you know, it's so beneficial to make things streamlined and everybody doing the same, which I agree with, but as a person, it took away all of my creativity. And that was one of those aha moments for me where I was like, I can't live in a world where they're telling me to do exactly, you know, certain things. Like I don't want to live in a world where I have to follow recipes to do my work all the time. I want to be able to throw in some extra ingredients here and there. And that's what teaching is for me. Like I, there's so much more opportunity, even with those scripted curriculums and things um, to be creative and, And I just leverage those, you know, as far as I've been in my career so far, that's where I'm finding like my excitement and passion. Love it. So let's talk about being courageous. Yes. How have you been courageous? What do you think it means to be courageous? For me, being courageous was taking this leap of faith. Um, It took me a long time to do it. And I think it's because I'm a perfectionist. And I had a hard time being willing to make mistakes. Um, I was always willing to learn from them, but putting myself in a vulnerable position where I was willing to fall flat on my face, like I said before, um, was something that took me a really long time. And I remember listening to a few podcasts and things where they were like, you can't teach your students, you know, to fail and be successful 
be failing without doing it yourself. And that was something that really resonated with me that I was like, I am not willing to be vulnerable and put myself in a position where I'm failing. And so that was something that I really um, have tried to focus on a little bit more in the last year, just as a development aspect of my own. So at your experience, long-term subbing this year, do you think that's given you opportunities to fail in front of kids and kind of practice that? Because I'm sure it's got to be hard to be going into a new classroom, you know, teaching a new curriculum. Like, has that given you that opportunity? Oh, 100%. Like daily. (laughs) I mean, I mean, subbing day to day in different positions gives you that opportunity probably more frequently. Um, But in those circumstances, sometimes it's best not to let the kids see that. Um, because they're already like, well, you're not my classroom teacher. So, you know, forget you or whatever. But when you're there long-term, like I'll never forget one of my first days in the third grade placement, I was just at for three months. This teacher like is like word work is one of the most important things to her. It's something that I felt she spent a lot of time on. And it was something that I had like, truth be told, almost no experience teaching And I was just like, I was nervous about it. I didn't know where to begin. And I started teaching the first lesson and I couldn't even figure out what the patterns were. And it was just a total, like, the kids are like looking at me like I'm nuts. And I finally was like, you know what, guys, I was like, I need to take a closer look at this. Let's move on to something else. And I said, I apologize. This is not going well. Um, You know, and I was just willing to be vulnerable in front of the kids and just say, well, I screwed up and um, I think that that's so important as a teacher and being willing to admit when you don't know something or because it shows them that you're human and it helps build more of an honest, open relationship with your students and with staff. Yep, absolutely. I love it. I love that you are on your way to finally becoming that teacher you want to be. It's so exciting and you have to call me when you get this job because <laughs> I know you're going to get this summer. Yes. Someday. Um, <laughs> you'll get there. Yes. You'll get there. Um, and I love that you're going to be setting this great example for your daughter. That's something that's really important for me with my kids is that, you know, like my stepfather worked at the same company his whole entire career. Right. And he was, you know, he always says to me, man, you've already had like five careers. And I'm like, yeah. And how amazing is that? Like, I'm not a career jumper. I've, I stayed there years and years. Yeah. Right. Till I kind of, like it's time to move on but i think it's important for us to set this example for our kids to like keep moving and keep shifting and keep growing yeah so i'm glad your daughter's gonna see you taking this leap of faith as yes, well me too i mean that's something that is really important to me and and another thing that's been important to me is everyone talks about what's well, who you know and that's something I always felt in the past would get me a job into teaching. And one of the things I'm most proud of over this last year is that it hasn't been who I know. It's been me working my butt off and building relationships and really um, finding success in that. And so that's something that I'm proud of. Well, I'm really happy for you. I feel blessed that you've come into my life and I really appreciate you being such a supporter of E2E. It means a ton to me. Well, the resource has meant a ton to me as well. It's something that even though sometimes your focus can be taking your career from the classroom to somewhere else, I think that it's, I've always found something that I've learned in each podcast and, 
And I really think, and I do believe, um, you know, you talk a lot about how important it is for people to stay in education. And I'm a big believer that if you're tired of being in the classroom, like it's so important to find the next opportunity for yourself. And I like how you give resources for people to find those opportunities within education still, rather than taking a leap into something completely different. Sarah, thanks for the perfect segue into what I wanted to do to wrap up today's podcast. So I wanna give you a preview of the next four episodes of E2E, because we're gonna make a little bit of a shift. I know we've been talking a lot about career here at E2E as we led up to the career conference, but it's time to start focusing back on teaching and the end of the school year and the summer. So a little preview of what's to come. Next week in episode number 37, we're gonna talk about a topic that comes up quite a bit in the teacher world and teacher life. We're gonna talk about rethinking tough parents. And I'm gonna give you some practical tips and tools about how to deal with tough parents. In episode number 38, we're gonna talk about the end of the year and I'm gonna give you some veteran teacher tips and tricks about the end of the year and maximizing your summer. We're then gonna move on to a two-part episode series called The Grieving Teacher. In episode number 39, I'm gonna talk about how I got through the grief and loss of both of my brothers while still, still working, teaching, and having two young children. So if you've experienced a loss or you have a good friend that's experienced a loss, I'm gonna share out how I really got through that hard time. And then the second part of that series, when we move into episode number 40, I'm going to talk about the grieving teacher as a colleague. So how do you help someone in your building, whether or not you're a close friend of them or not, what you should do if they experience a loss of a loved one. So I'm going to give you tips and tricks of how do you get through that sometimes uncomfortable experience to show support for a colleague, a teacher colleague in your building. All right, that's it. I'm looking forward to the next four weeks, but until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.